What is going on, everybody? It is Joey Lynn, and for the first time ever, welcome to the Clips Convos Show. Yes, we have turned Clips Convos, which you guys know as an Instagram page or a YouTube channel, into a podcast. And I am super excited to announce that. Some of you guys saw that announcement on Twitter, but uh, the correlation between the podcast and Clips Convos was not yet announced. I was super excited to partner with the Sporting Tribune. As you guys saw, I announced that on Twitter. That's who I'll be doing this podcast through because they were super excited to keep the Clips Convos brand and just kind of continue to build off of what we have been doing on that platform over the last four seasons now. I started it during the 2018-19 season, as many of you guys know, because Doc Rivers wouldn't stop starting Avery Bradley over Shea Gildas-Alexander. I couldn't take that anymore, so I decided to make an Instagram page called Clips Combos, where we break down conversation topics around the Clippers. One of those was, at the time, Avery Bradley and Shea. And it has just expanded into, I mean, realms that I never really imagined would ever be possible. And that's all because of you guys. And that's really what I wanted to start this podcast saying. Uh, For those of you who are either tuning in for the first time and uh, are just going to start supporting me on this journey, or for those of you who have been here uh, from the beginning, the support has meant the world to me. And it's something that uh, has really gotten me to where I am right now. Like, of course, I've put in the hours, I've put in the time, I've put in the work. But uh, none of that matters if you don't have a base of people who support you and and like your content and encourage you to continue expanding. That's what you guys have done for me. Um, and it's allowed me to turn these YouTube breakdowns into a podcast format. And uh, that's actually something that I, I wanted to, to clarify. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, Joey, where have you been on YouTube, man? It has been a minute. Well, I had this in the works. Uh, It wasn't 100% that it was going to happen this way, but this was my vision from the beginning. I wanted to kind of take the YouTube breakdowns that we have done over the last several seasons and turn them into a more longer form sit down podcast. So that way, you know, if you don't have time to sit down and and watch a full YouTube breakdown, if you're in the car, you're in the gym or you're on the go and you want to hear my ideas, my breakdowns on the Clippers. You can just fire this up and listen to it on the go. That's kind of something that the Sporting Tribune is, is going to try to embody in a sense. Just whatever you need, like we got it. If you like, you know, long form articles, uh, deep dive breakdowns, those types of, of, of stylistic uh, writing pieces, we have you on those. If you like podcasts, like we got you on those. If you like videos, you know, we got you. TikTok, uh, all of that. Like that's what I'm really excited about with the Sporting Tribune is it's kind of a blank canvas and we could go so many different directions with it. Uh, and I was super blessed and fortunate to, to get a Clippers podcast. They liked what I have been doing uh, with Clips Convos. And again, that's only possible because of you guys. There's no Clips Convos if there isn't a, a base of people who support it and like it and, and gas it up. And that's all because of you guys. I mean, I would have never brought Clips Convos to YouTube if I didn't have people encouraging me to do that. And then to now turn it into a podcast is just beyond exciting. Um, so uh, this is going to be the first episode of hopefully many. Uh, the plan is to do one a week. And as I kind of teased in that tweet, um, you know, maybe some of you saw it, maybe some of you didn't, but uh, it's going to be, you know, obviously clips combos, as the name suggests, conversation topics surrounding the Clippers, but also pre and post game analysis. As of right now, at the time I'm recording this podcast, it's Monday afternoon. The Clippers have played three games so far. They're two and one. So on a day like this, I will recap the three games the Clippers have played and then preview the next three or four, two, three or four games that they're going to play 
until my next podcast episode. Then we repeat the process. Like I said, we're going to dive into conversation topics around the Clippers. We are going to do it all on this platform. We want to be your home for really the best Clippers coverage possible. So uh, again, thank you guys so much for all the support you have shown me over the last several seasons. It's given me an opportunity to, as some of you have seen, have my media credential, be in the locker room, be on the court, uh, be at practices, doing all the things that really as a kid I kind of dreamed of. Uh, I'm living that out now because so many of you guys have supported me and encouraged me just to continue pursuing my dream. So uh, without further ado, as I like to say, let's get into the breakdown. Uh, enough background there. You guys get the gist of what it is that we're going to be doing. Starting off, as I mentioned, I want to look at the games the Clippers have played already. They are currently 2-1. and one. We're coming off a pretty bad loss, but that said, considering uh, Kawhi Leonard has already missed one game, he has come off the bench for all three and been on about like a 20 to 22 minute restriction. You feel pretty good about two and one. And that opening game against the Lakers, which is where we're going to start, that was the season opener. I thought the Clippers actually looked really sloppy. I didn't think they looked good at all, but the Lakers are a very bad team. Now, I'm not just saying that because you know, I feel a type of way about the Lakers because in all honesty, like I really don't like, I love Pat Bev. I, I think they got some cool dudes on their team. Uh, you know, regardless of how people feel about him, like I've actually been a Russ fan since I was a kid. Uh, obviously his Pat Bev trick y'all comments uh, rubbed me the wrong way a couple of years ago, but they're teammates now they're past that. So I got nothing against Russ, uh, but just looking at their roster construction, it is not good. That was a game. The Clippers should have won. And they did win. So I remember I was being asked uh, before the game, like, is this a rivalry game? Is this something where, you know, the Clippers are going to have to, you know, make a statement on opening night? I mean, maybe in years past, like in that 2019-20 season, uh, that would have been the case. But this is just a game against a bad team, uh, an inferior opponent that the Clippers should win. And they did win. So that's kind of my main takeaway from that opening night matchup. I think you saw a lot of good things, though. You saw an aggressive John Wall, which was very encouraging to me because the Clippers have been telling him, hey, you know, you are who you are. You're a perennial all-star for a reason. You are top 10 all-time in assists per game for a reason. You know, all-NBA, he's, he's done a lot in his career, and it's because he's John Wall. They want him to come be John Wall. They don't want him to come stand in the corner and, you know, mind his P's and Q's and, and just kind of try to fit in. That's not something the Clippers are interested in at all. They have told him that, and he has answered that call. He actually told me uh, a couple of weeks ago during a media scrum, I was asking him about, you know, just the confidence that the Clippers have instilled in him. And he said, man, when they came over, or excuse me, when I came over here, they told me, be yourself, be John Wall. And he said, even if they didn't tell me that, that's what I was going to do. Because, I, you know, any room I walk in, I'm not, I don't have the quote in front of me. This was about what he was saying. Any room I walk in, I'm going to get more respect if I'm myself than if I just try to fit in and be somebody that I'm not. And I think that that's great life advice. I mean, it goes beyond basketball. Uh, regardless of, of what you're doing, if you just come in and be yourself, people are going to respect you for that. And uh, John Wall really embodies that. And I think he showed that uh, a lot on opening night, really throughout the first three games. I think, you know, in a lot of ways, he's been one of the Clippers' best players, if not their best and most consistent player so far through the first three games. He's been very aggressive, pushing the pace. Uh, his mid-range shot looks great. Uh, he joked last night. He said, you know, man, I feel great outside of shooting my free throws like Shaq. Uh, I feel pretty good. He said that was pissing him off. He's going to have to clean that up. Uh, but really outside of his, his three-point shot's been not so great and his free throws have been not so great. But everything else has been fantastic and, and exactly what you would hope for. Um, so I got on a little bit of a tangent there talking about John, but I think that kind of plays right in uh, to what I want to get into with the next Sacramento game, which was game two. 
he was sitting out and so was Kawhi Leonard. So that's going to happen quite frequently, uh, especially in the first half of the season. I think the Clippers have the most back-to-backs and because of course they do uh, in the first half of the season. Uh, they, of their 13 back-to-backs, I think like the majority of them are in the first half of the season. And I asked Ty Lue about that uh, before the open practice at USC. I said, does that change the way you would approach uh, a back-to-back situation as opposed to maybe if you had more of your back-to-backs at the end of the year? And he said, absolutely it does. He said, we have to do right by our guys. You know, even if John, who is healthy and he's he's admitted that he's healthy, he said he was healthy last year, uh, but was a healthy scratch all year because of the plan Houston had for him. You know, even if he wants to play more minutes than than the current, you know, training staff plan for him would allow, we have to do right by him. We have to protect him from himself. So the Clippers sat both Kawhi Leonard and John Wall against the Kings. And I don't care who you are playing. I don't care if it's OKC. I don't care if it's Houston. I don't care if it's the Lakers, Phoenix, Golden State. If you are sitting Kawhi Leonard and John Wall, you take a win by any means possible. The Clippers, again, did not look very sharp in that Sacramento game, but they got a 40-piece from Paul George, and that was enough to win the game. So that was really my main takeaway from the Sacramento game is just they got a W in the left-hand column. That's all that matters at the end of the day, especially on games where Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are going to be resting. I was super excited to see PG step up. He took 31 shots in that game. And some people would kind of use that as a reason to slander him and say 31 shots. Like, you know, of course he got 40. That's you know what the haters are going to say, but uh, the Clippers need him to do that. They need him, especially in games that Kawhi is out. Uh, but this is actually going to lead me right into my next point, even in games that Kawhi is playing, because for right now, Kawhi Leonard is restricted. He's only playing about 20 minutes per game. He's coming off the bench and really not coming in until about midway through the second quarter. So that's a quarter and a half to start the game. PG's probably going to play about 12-ish minutes uh, during that stretch where he has to be the main guy. Ty Lue knows that. PG knows that because Ty Lue has told him that. Uh, I tweeted it out after the Sacramento game, but uh, Ty Lue said he saw PG's comments about like the 1A, 1B uh, kind of hierarchy between Kawhi and PG. Some people try to say, well, who's the one? Who's the two? You know, is it 1A, 1B? Is it one and one? PG came out publicly and said, I'm the two. He said, Kawhi is the one. I'm the two. I'm fine with that. There are no egos involved with that. And uh, that's something that the fan base obviously like to hear. You know, even people who don't like the Clippers, they thought that was refreshing to hear where you got a, a player of Paul George's caliber who has led the Clippers to their first conference finals in franchise history has, I mean, scored multiple 40-point games already with the Clippers. People know who Paul George is. He came out and said, listen, I'm fine being the two. That's something that, uh, you know, like I said, the fan base appreciated. But Ty Lue actually went to PG after that and said, we need you to be aggressive. Like, we appreciate the humility. But uh, really, to be quite frank, it's not time for that right now. Like, there is a time and place for Paul George to defer to Kawhi Leonard. But now is not that time. He has to come out and be aggressive, especially with Kawhi Leonard being restricted. And that didn't really happen in the Suns game. PG shot just 11 times. Uh, that's not going to be enough. Even if Kawhi Leonard is on an absolute heater playing like 40 plus minutes in the playoffs, that's still probably not going to be enough. Paul George is just far too good of a basketball player to shoot just 11 times in a game, especially coming off 
of a, a 40 point performance where he had 46, six. And I think, you know, two steals and a block, like he was just all over the place in that game in Sacramento. And maybe that played a little bit into it. Maybe he was a little bit fatigued first back to back of the year. You certainly can't, you know, count out the possibility of that impacting the way things went. Um, but you know, all things considered, the Clippers are just going to need more volume from him, uh, while Kawhi Leonard works his way back. Uh, so that's kind of my takeaway from those first three games, recap those a little bit, you know, like I said, two and one, considering the circumstances, you got both Kawhi Leonard and, and John Wall on minutes restrictions. I think even Reggie Jackson is a little bit restricted right now. Uh, the Clippers are really trying to make sure they prioritize health during this early portion of the year. And you've already had Kawhi Leonard and John Wall miss a game and you won that game. So uh, all things considered, you feel pretty good about two and one. But looking at their upcoming schedule, like I said, we're going to preview the three games that are going to happen in between this podcast episode and the next podcast episode. The plan as of right now is to record each Monday. The episode should be able to get uploaded. Like, let's say there's a Monday night game at seven. We're definitely going to try to get the episode out before then. So expect as of right now, episodes will come out each Monday, if not definitely each Tuesday. So uh, in between now and next Monday, the Clippers have three games. Two of them are on the road against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Oklahoma City Thunder for the last several seasons uh, have been losing games on purpose. Now, of course, the players on the floor are not losing games on purpose, but the front office is intentionally trying to put a product on the floor that is not going to win games. Maybe that would have been a little bit different if Chet would have been healthy this year. Perhaps OKC would have been ready to maybe try to make that play-in push because they obviously have a star caliber player in our buddy Shea Gildas-Alexander. Uh, credit to Shea for being so good so fast because if he wasn't, maybe I wouldn't have had the desire to start a Clips Combo's Instagram page and uh, try to rally up the fan base to get Shea more minutes. But that's a story for another time. Uh, many of you know it already, but uh, Shea is kind of uh, banged up. I think a little bit right now, they are not exactly sure what his availability is going to be for these upcoming two games. Again, you know, not exactly surprising. We've seen that over the last couple of seasons. I think it's, it's a combination of Shea's injuries being legitimate, but also to uh, the organization really have, you know, no interest in trying to rush him back and, and nor should they like he's young, but at the same time, you know, if Shea sits a game or two or several, it's not the end of the world for an OKC team that probably has their sight set on the Victor sweepstakes coming up. But that's, a, again, a conversation for next summer. So looking at those two OKC games, even if Shea does play, those are two wins that the Clippers got to get. Uh, it's, it's kind of like a, a COVID change now where they're having teams play you know, like these mini series to eliminate travel. I think it's kind of one of the good changes that that COVID brought, very rare good changes where you have like two games back-to-back, -back, not on back-to-back -back nights, but back-to-back -back games against uh, the same opponent. So the Clippers are going up against an OKC team that, again, like I said, has some promising young pieces, uh, you know, Giddy, Shea, Dort, and then obviously Chet when he comes back. Uh, but as of right now, are, are one of the few teams in the Western Conference where you think, okay, this should absolutely be a win. Uh, so the Clippers have two games coming up against them, and then they will head back home to play right now. I mean, all things considered, the best team in the Western Conference, the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, right now, Zion, I think, is also a little bit banged up. Uh, so don't know exactly what his availability is going to be a week from today. Uh, but that team looks good. That team looks very good. It was a team that I was super high on coming into this year. And you know what they really reminded me of in a lot of ways last year was that 18-19 Clippers group where you have a team, you know, that feels as if they're like a star player away from being a legitimate contender. But, you know, in a lot of ways, they're America's team. They're scrappy. They 
you know, they fight hard. Uh, they got some really fun young guys in like Herb Jones and, and Jose Alvarado. Obviously, I love the move they, they made for uh, CJ McCollum. Uh, Valanchunas is a guy who is a Clipper killer, a certified Clipper killer. And uh, yeah, he kills the Clippers. We know that. Um, so that they're a good team. And even if Zion doesn't play, they're going to be a, a tough team to beat. They're undefeated right now for a reason. Uh, so that's going to be a tough matchup for the Clippers. You really want to enter that game, if possible, four and one. Uh, you, you'd feel really good about that if you can pick up a couple of dubs in OKC. You don't want to split that. You want to get both of those games, especially considering uh, you should have a fully loaded roster um, for both of those games. You want to get a couple of dubs there, then come home, uh, play a good Pelicans team who, again, is probably going to have an opportunity to be firmly in the playoff picture this year if, if Zion can stay healthy and, and play a good majority of their games. So that's the preview for those upcoming games uh, this week. Like I said, would love to see the Clippers four and one heading in to that Pelicans game. And then uh, you catch a dub there. You feel pretty good about five and one after the first couple of weeks of the season. So there's our, our pre and post game analysis. Like I said, uh, we would do on this pod. Um, we may refine this a little bit where we don't just do like pre and post game analysis on the podcast, but actual like game day analysis where I hop on a Twitter space or something and, you know, go live like with the Sporting Tribune account that would give you guys an opportunity to like ask me questions and, and kind of interact on a little bit you know more personal level. That's part of our plan. We just got to kind of figure out the best way to do that. Um, but again, like, you know, this is brand new. This is a blank canvas. So if there's any ideas that you guys have, like throughout the course of this podcast, shoot me a message on Twitter. My DMs are open. You can always just at me. Um, you know, that's at Joey Lynn underscore. So any, any thoughts you guys have any, any ways to improve this blank canvas? We are, we are definitely open to that constructive, constru uh, constructive criticism. That's the, that's the term. Anyways, now going forward into the conversation topics, because like I said, this is clips combos. And, and one of my favorite things about that name, and I really just kind of made it up on the fly back uh, at the end of 2018, December, 2018, when I started, I thought it was catchy. Uh, but also thought there was some real depth there because, you know, there's so many conversation topics around the Clippers and most of those get picked up by the mainstream media, uh, by the ESPNs of the world and, and, you know, those talk shows. And I feel like the Clippers are just covered so poorly by the mainstream media and, and Clippers fans could probably attest to this where it just feels like people are talking about the Clippers who don't actually watch the Clippers. And that's frustrating as a fan. It's frustrating as, as somebody uh, who covers the team every single day. And I've been blessed to have an opportunity to do that so far this year where I'm at every practice. I'm at every game. I'm in the locker room. I'm talking to these guys. And then to see some of the talking points that go on in like the mainstream realm, like on television, on ESPN and on some of these talk show segments, which of course, you know, you take with a grain of salt because, you know, ratings at the end of the day are, are the goal, but um you know, real in-depth analysis is something that should be valued too. And that's what we're trying to bring to this platform. So that's where I think, you know, I have a real opportunity to, to kind of be a voice for the fan base in a sense where we break down these topics from an actual like Clippers point of view. Uh, and that's, that's why I'm just, again, so thankful to have an opportunity to, to have the, the access that I do this year, because that's really what we're going to do. Um, so getting into the topics uh, of discussion here, the first one, you guys probably know what's coming, but it's the backup center situation. The backup center situation is something that has been talked about extensively over the last several weeks, really throughout the entire summer. 
Uh, we didn't know what the Clippers exact plan was about midway through the summer, but we knew that they hadn't signed a backup center yet. And uh, we're really either going to have to rely on small ball or uh, a couple of inexperienced young centers uh, in Musa Diabate and Moses Brown. I'm actually really high on Musa. I think Musa has an opportunity to, to really be a good uh, serviceable center in this league. I think his athleticism and switchability is something you can't teach. Um, I think his motor is something you can't teach. Uh, he's a super high character kid. Like, you know, I've had the chance to be around him uh, a lot, you know, both just at practices in the locker room, but also uh, at the community event, um, which was a really cool thing the Clippers did. They, they had, uh, you know, food for a bunch of families in need. And, and Musa was one of the guys there uh, who was helping hand that out. Um, so I got a chance to talk to him pretty extensively there. And he's just, he's an awesome dude, man. Definitely one of my favorite players to be around on the team. Uh, but in terms of his ability going forward, like maybe not this year, because the Clippers want him to, to develop in the G League, which is probably the right move. But I think they have in-house right now in Musa, a real backup center uh, going forward. I mean, he's young, he's athletic, he's quick. I, I think he has a very high IQ for somebody as young as him. So I'm super high on Musa. But again, for now, he's not really uh, in, in the team's plans for the immediate backup center role. So because of that, they're going small. And uh, Tyloo confirmed it uh, at the end of training camp, like right before the preseason was coming to a close, that the team's current plan was to remove Big Zoo about midway through the first quarter and then come back with a small group while Zoo sits and then bring Zoo back with Zoo back, bring uh, Zubats back with the uh, bench group because they're just a naturally smaller lineup. And Tyloo felt that was the best way to utilize the small ball group was to have them play with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And that's the right move because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George can defend, they can rebound, uh, but it hasn't been great so far. It hasn't been great so far. The numbers affirm that so far uh, to start the year with Zoo on the floor, the Clippers are plus five, a little bit five, uh, 0.3, I believe it is, points per 100 possession, better than their opponent when Zoo is on the floor. And when he's off, it's a negative 13.3. So they're getting outscored by just over 13 uh, points per 100 possessions when Zoo sits. Uh, and when Zoo sits, there's been no center. It's been small ball. So that's basically the, the small versus big breakdown there for you. Uh, when Zoo sits, hasn't been great when he plays. The Clippers are beating their opponent pretty well in those minutes. Again, I, I've mentioned this already. But I don't think that this three-game sample size is indicative. And I don't think I mentioned it on the pod yet, but I've talked about it extensively on Twitter uh, and in some articles. I don't think a three-game sample size is big enough to say small ball works or small ball doesn't work. I just don't think we've seen enough yet. Has it looked poor so far? It has. The team has acknowledged that. Ty Lue has acknowledged that. But they don't think it's looked poor because it's just an absolutely incapable group. I think it looks poor because the Clippers just haven't had enough time to work on it. And I posted it on Twitter. You guys can go find the clip. But they asked Kawhi. This wasn't specifically about the small ball group, but just more so about uh, the team in general. Like, you know, where does that consistency come from? And before the reporter could finish their question, Kawhi said, uh, playing basketball. It, it comes from playing basketball. <laughs> he said, you got to play basketball. And he chuckled a little bit. But he said, you know, how are you supposed to evaluate anything, you know, based upon a three-game sample size? Uh, and again, you know, it hasn't looked good and the Clippers are still two and one. So you feel pretty good about that if you're the Clippers looking, uh, you know, at specifically the small ball group. You don't feel good about the the way those minutes have gone, but you feel good about the way they've been able to kind of survive that and still come out, you know, two and one after the first three games. 
Uh, but also wanted to mention something else that Ty Lu said to me a couple weeks ago. I asked him, if you guys remember last year, he was kind of evaluating things on like a 10 game basis. You know, we had Bledsoe in the starting lineup, probably should have never happened in the first place. Uh, but then, you know, 10 games go by and Ty Lu reconsiders and he's like, okay, let's try this. I asked him a couple weeks ago, I said, Ty, is, is the plan to still evaluate things on like a 10 game basis? He said, no, it's going to take more than 10 games this year. He said, it's going to take more than 10 games to figure out, you know, what we got. Because look, look at it right now, guys. We got Kawhi coming off the bench. Like, we got Norm Powell in the starting lineup who, you know, when the Clippers are at full strength, is probably going to be the sixth man. You know, you got Reggie starting right now. Who knows if, you know, midway through the season by the All-Star break, if John has that spot. Like, there's just too many variables right now, too many moving parts to, you know, go 10 games and say, okay, this doesn't work. Let's move on. Tyloo understands it's a long season. He understands the Clippers goal is to win a championship. And while you need to be dominant in the regular season in order to do that, like history affirms that belief, you know, it's kind of a, a bit of a false narrative where people say, you know, just the playoffs matter, like just get to the playoffs healthy. Like, no, you got to get to the playoffs healthy, but you also got to get there with, with some pretty good momentum going. You have to be a good team in the regular season as well. Ty Lue knows that, but, you know, these games at the end of October aren't going to make or break that pursuit. For Ty Lue, he's probably the most malleable coach in the league, uh, meaning his willingness and ability to make adjustments is, is probably better than, than any coach in the NBA. I think he's second to none when it comes to that. So it's not a matter of if he'll make adjustments. It's more so when and when is he going to reevaluate if things work, if they don't work. I think the name of the game for Clippers fans right now is going to be patience. You know, of course, I see it in my mentions. You guys are upset about, you know, the loss against Phoenix. And it was a tough loss. Of course, I don't like losing to Phoenix. Nobody likes losing to Phoenix. But, you know, it's not something where you react to, to one game against a good Phoenix team and start making changes to a starting lineup that probably isn't even going to be like, you know, one of your main five man groups towards the end of the year, you know, it's something the Clippers have to feel out and it's going to take even more than the 10 game sample size that Ty Lue was evaluating last year. So that's the main talking point. I think surrounding the Clippers is going to be that backup center situation and when they're going to revisit that discussion. Um, but before we move on to the next topic, I do want to mention one quick thing uh, to you know kind of wrap up on the backup center situation. You know, guys like Hassan Whiteside are still out there. Guys like Boogie Cousins, you know, Derek Favors, those veteran options are still out there. And no disrespect to those guys, but they're still out there for a reason. And, you know, that reason is, you know, most of them probably aren't going to play big roles on a contender. And most of them probably have no interest in going to anything but a contender at this point in their careers. And we've seen it over the past several seasons. Guys like that, if they're available around this time of the year, they're probably going to be available around the all-star break as well. So if the Clippers feel that they desperately need some center help, the Boogie Cousins of the world, the Hassan Whitesides of the world, the Derek Favors of the world will probably still be available waiting for a call. Uh, you know, around February when the Clippers would be really, you know, kind of reevaluating their roster and looking to solidify some things. So, you know, for those calling for Whiteside right now, I would say just hold off, give the Clippers a chance to work out, you know, some of the kinks that they have in this, uh, in this small ball group. And if it really doesn't work, front office will step in and make a move uh, and, and they'll, they'll, you know, adjust. And whether that's internally with a guy like Musa or whether that's, you know, going out and grabbing a free agent like Whiteside. They will, they will make that move, but it's not going to happen on game three. So moving forward now into the next big conversation topic, it is Kawhi Leonard off the bench. 
Kawhi Leonard off the bench is something that kind of blindsided us. Uh, Chris Haynes had the report uh, shortly before opening night that Kawhi was going to be coming off the bench. And uh, Ty Lue kind of joked about Haynes getting that scoop because we asked him the other day uh, something about, I think it was the back-to-back coming up. He's like, I don't know, man. Ask Chris Haynes. Um, he's, you know, he give him credit, man. He had the scoop. But uh, in terms of like how I feel about it, you know, I think the Clippers are just going based upon what Kawhi Leonard feels most comfortable with. And that's what they should do. Uh, they want to try to maximize his minutes. He's only playing like 20 to 22 minutes right now in his minutes restriction. Uh, the team hasn't like officially announced that. But that's been the range he's, he's sat at through these first three games. And I get what they're doing. They want to have him, uh, you know, maximize his minutes and, and spread them out in a way that makes sense for the team. I do think it's a little bit tough because you want to see Kawhi try to get continuity and consistency with the guys he's going to be playing alongside more often, which is going to be like Reggie, PG, Zoo, you know, those guys that are going to be like mainstays in the starting lineup. You want to see him get chemistry with those guys. But at the same time, you know, would starting him really make much of a difference? Because, you know, you're still going to have to remove him probably about, you know, midway through the first. He's probably only playing like five, six minute shifts uh, at most right now. Um, so again, that's still not enough time to really develop that chemistry. So if that's what Kawhi Leonard feels most comfortable with, you know, physically and mentally, just, I would say be fine with it. I, I don't think it's something where you need to get super upset uh, over that. You know, of course you see a game like the Phoenix game last night, uh, Kawhi Leonard played 20 minutes, the Clippers lost by 17. He was a plus one. So it's a little bit frustrating. It's like, okay, you know, obviously if he would have played a little bit more, the Clippers would have had a chance to win that game. Uh, or, you know, maybe if you would have started, they wouldn't have fall, fallen behind. And then now it's just a whole different vibe going forward. Of course, you're going to have those thoughts. I had those thoughts, uh, but this is the long game. Again, you got to be a good regular season team to, you know, be a good postseason team, but nothing is, is being made or broken right now on October 25th or whatever, 24th, whatever day it is right now uh, with Kawhi coming off the bench. So that's where he feels most comfortable. I would say just let him stay there. Um, and, and kind of work through some of the things that, uh, you know, he needs to work through. But I honestly think he looks great. He was flying around defensively last night, incredibly active on that end. Uh, you know, offense, you know, his touch is probably still a little bit off. He's just trying to find his spots uh, on that end. But uh, I think you should be really encouraged with what you're seeing from Kawhi right now in terms of just his physicality. You know, people are saying, of course, this is the haters, but they're saying, you know, he's not moving so great out there. I mean, when you watch Kawhi Leonard, even like at his peak, he moves at his own pace, man. Like he, he moves at his own pace. I think that's what kind of makes him so great. It's kind of like Luca in that way where he's just surgical with it. Like he, he gets to his spots and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, if he needs to, to show off the burst, he can, um, that's not really something that, you know, you need to see from him every possession. I think he's looking healthy. Like, I think he looks fantastic out there. So that's, that's topic number two uh, that I wanted to break down backup center Kawhi coming off the bench. I'm going to try to hit two more topics before wrapping up. Uh, the next one is Norman Powell. Norman Powell has not looked great to start the year. He would tell you that, you know, the coaching staff would tell you that, although they are still confident in him, you know, obviously he just has not looked great uh, so far to start the season. And it's kind of shocking because, you know, man, he was fantastic when he came over to the Clippers last year. He averaged over 20. It was like on some stupid shooting splits. Uh, and then he carried that right over into the preseason where he finished the preseason coming off the bench with a 30-piece. He had 33, I believe it was, in that game in Ontario uh, for the Clippers. So, you know, for Norm Powell, you would like to see him be that version of himself, but I think it's a very similar situation uh, with some of the conversations that have been surrounding John Wall, and I think he's answered these very well. Uh, but Norm right now is trying to find himself. 
he is trying to find himself. And I think, you know, kind of the way he's responded to that is by trying to do too much. You know, you look at him out there, I think he's forcing it a little bit. You know, some of these drives that where he really doesn't have a lane, he's kind of trying to force it. Um, and I think one of the things that Norm did really well last year when he came over to the Clippers was getting paint touches and then kicking out to open shooters, which is why I was really optimistic about his fit with the starting group right now. We wait for Kawhi to get back because while Reggie, I think, you know, at his peak, you know, when he's being good Reggie, like I think Reggie's a really actually good point guard. Um, but his his ability to kind of penetrate the defense and, and find open shooters, that's not exactly his game. He's more of a scoring guard in that way. Um, where Norm Powell is too, but at the same time, I think he's got more burst, more downhill ability, can beat his man off the dribble. And then instead of trying to, to get those paint touches and kicking it out to the plethora of shooters that the Clippers surround him with, he's trying to force it a little bit too much. And he's trying to kind of like score his way out, shoot his way out of this slump that he's in. And it's made for some pretty poor performances to start the year. Now, I don't think that's indicative of who Norman Powell is. We have seen him in this league now for several years, be not only a very good scorer, but a very efficient scorer. And uh, that's what the Clippers are going to need him to be. They're going to need him to be efficient. They're going to need him to knock down open threes. It's something he did really well with the Clippers last year. Uh, so for people who are saying trade Norm, Norm's got to go. Like, guys, it's been three games. Like, no, he has not looked good. But give the man a chance to kind of, you know, adjust to some of the things that are going on uh, really that are, you know, for the first time for him that are brand new. Like, he he obviously played with Kawhi in 2019. But that was an established Raptors group that was, you know, implementing a superstar player into the mix, but they already had chemistry. Norm Powell knew who he was on that team. And I think now he's kind of going from like last year in his five games with the Clippers where he was the guy, you know, uh, in those first several games to now, you know, trying to fit in. And I think he's trying to just do a little bit too much out there. So don't give up on Norm Powell just yet. Uh, I think he, he has a lot of what the Clippers need. Uh, it's just a matter of getting getting that out of him. The coaching staff is is really one of the best in the business when it comes to that. So don't give up on Norm Powell just yet. Last topic I want to talk about uh, is a little bit of a combo topic here. It's, it's going to be more so about Reggie Jackson, uh, but I also want to touch on like the, the Reggie versus Wall debate. That's where I want to end because I think that that's outside of the backup center you know, conversation topic. Probably one of the biggest surrounding the Clippers right now is who should start Reggie or Wall. I understand why Reggie got the starting nod. I actually thought even, you know, before I had seen Wall, you know, look fantastic in the preseason and in training camp, uh, I thought Reggie would probably get the nod just strictly off of fit. Uh, Ty Lue made that emphasis really a lot throughout the course of the preseason and, and throughout training camp that this is not about who's the better player, but instead who's the better fit, uh, which guy fits better with which group. And when you're just looking strictly at skill set, not overall skill but like skill set which guy does what at a high level Reggie Jackson's skill set complements the starters better in a vacuum at least when you just look at who he is as a player he was a great catch and shoot guy in 2021 I mean he was like an elite catch and shoot guy in 2021 especially in those playoffs I have the stats on my Twitter somewhere but he was like breaking three-point shooting records. He was up there in like Stephen Clay territory uh, in terms of like playoff, uh, you know, combined with the volume and the efficiency that he had. It was ridiculous. So the Clippers are hoping that he can get back to that because if you're playing point guard in a Kawhi Leonard and Paul George-led unit, you have to be okay playing off the ball. 
And, you know, John Wall is, it's not that he's not comfortable playing off the ball, but, you know, that's almost kind of taking away his best skill set when you bring him off the ball. I mean, he can make catch and shoot threes. Uh, he's shown that. He's talked about practicing, you know, those. But uh, that's not exactly how you best utilize his skill set. So unless there was going to be like a drastic change in training camp, I anticipated Reggie getting the starting nod. And again, so far, it hasn't looked very great. Like the, the you know, Reggie in the starting lineup thing has been a little bit awkward because I think similar to Norm, he's like not exactly sure how to fit in. And I think kind of on the opposite spectrum of Norm, it's resulted in a little bit too much hesitancy. And the shots that he is taking aren't exactly the shots that the Clippers want him taking. So that's been a little bit awkward, but again, it's been three games. So Ty Lue is not going to be changing the, the starting point guard you know, after three games. He's just not going to do it. Last uh, night, he started John in the second half, but we asked him about that after the game. Uh, Reggie's nursing like a groin issue right now, and his minutes are restricted. So it was just, you know, the minutes he played in the first half, it made more sense to not start him. It wasn't like a disciplinary thing where he didn't play well enough or, you know, John Wall earned the starting spot like midway through game three. That wasn't what it was. Like, I think everybody recognizes that so far John Wall has been much better than Reggie Jackson and, and probably in a vacuum is just a better player than Reggie Jackson. But when you're looking at fit, you know, just strictly off of the prototype and the skill set of these two guys, Reggie does fit better with the starting group. But again, I think that is subject to change. And I'll give two reasons why I think that's the case. The first is that, why the Clippers want John Wall with the second group, I mean, separate from Reggie's skill set, is because he pushes the pace. They like him running with shooters like Luke, uh, Batum, Norm Powell is eventually going to be in that bench group, I would imagine. They like him running with those guys, and I think it's looked great so far. I think him running with those guys has created a lot of open looks. I think it's actually created transition opportunities for Wall himself where he's been able to finish inside because the, I mean, the lane is wide open because people are glued to shooters. I think there's no question that that fit is good. But going back to what I said, why I think it may change where Wall might end up in the starting group at some point is the Clippers actually could use a little bit of that in the starting lineup. Obviously, guys like Zoo, Marcus, Kawhi, PG, like those guys aren't big runners. They aren't guys who are going to be wanting to get up and down the floor at John Wall's pace, you know, throughout the course of a 48-minute game. But there are going to be instances where the Clippers just need a little bit of a jolt in that starting group. And John Wall has provided a jolt every single time he's been in the game. So I think that's something that the Clippers might want to take a look at in the starting group. That's reason number one. Reason number two is that John Wall is, and, and this is just indisputable, the best playmaker on the Clippers, not just in transition, but in the half court as well. He is their best playmaker in the half court. The Clippers have struggled mightily so far in the half court. It has been ugly, even in their two wins. They have not been a good half court team offensively. And I think one of the biggest reasons why is they can't throw. I know this is going to sound crazy, but if you guys watch the game, you've seen it. They can't throw an entry pass right now. They are trying to force the ball into Kawhi and PG on the low block, especially Kawhi when he gets in. But how many entry passes have we seen intercepted so far? Far too many. Now, an entry pass, you know, all things considered, shouldn't be one of like the most complicated things in basketball, but the Clippers have struggled with it. And John Wall is actually really good at that. He is not just a great playmaker in transition, but he's a great playmaker in the half court. I think that's something the Clippers are going to want to look at at some point during the regular season. But remember what I said earlier, it is not going to be even as small or as large. However you think that plays out uh, with a 10 game sample size, it is going to be larger than that because Tyloo needs to see things play out. 
So if you think John Wall should be in the starting lineup, perhaps you're right. And perhaps you'll end up being right at some point in the year. But it is game three going on game four. Let it breathe. Ty Lue has shown the ability and the willingness to make adjustments. He will do exactly that. It just might not be as fast as some of you would hope for. So that is going to do it, you guys, for the first Clipped Combos podcast episode. Man, that feels fun to say. You know, guys, I don't want to, you know, talk about myself or, or, you know, the Clips Combos brand too much because you guys know what it is, but it really does mean a lot to me uh, that I was able to, you know, transform this. You know, I was a fan in 2018. I've been a fan my whole life. Transformer was really just like a fan page in, into something like this where, you know, I'm, I'm in a professional studio out here in Manhattan Beach. Like, you know, I got a mic and a, and a camera, all that. Like, it's just so cool to me, you guys. And it's something that you guys have have allowed to happen because you support me and you encourage me uh, through the highs and the lows. So if you've been wondering where I'm at on YouTube, uh, I've been waiting to finally drop this. Obviously, there's going to be an audio file, you know, pretty much anywhere you, you find your podcast, uh, you can listen to the audio file. But if you prefer video and, you know, kind of like short clips, kind of like I was doing with my, my YouTube breakdowns, I'm going to clip this up. I'll probably throw some cool graphics, you know, when I talk about stats and, and hopefully some film if the NBA can stop copyrighting my stuff um, and just kind of try to make this fun for you guys to watch. So uh, whether you like audio, video, we're going to have you covered. And that's really kind of the, the motto of the Sporting Tribune where it's like, we got you. Whatever it is that you want, we got it for you. And uh, if you're a Clippers fan and uh, you like deep dive analysis, well, we got you on this podcast platform as well. So that will do it. Until next time, you guys, as always, much love and go Clippers.